Good afternoon, and uh, it's just so fun. Every week I look forward to seeing all of you in, in my little, uh, all the squares to say hi to all of you and just to see your faces. And, and one of these days, I can't wait till, um, man, it's going to have to be like a long line for hugs or something because I just miss all of you so much. But I'm glad that each one of you turns on your screen and lets me see your smiling face. God, I thank you for your word. Because we worship you, but also, God, we, we come to your word to learn more about you and how to live with you and how to live for you. And so take this next little bit of time and take something out of what I'm going to say and bring it into just a real uh, Im- meaningful uh, connection with you during this week. Thank you so much, God. Well, this week I went to the bank in person for the first time since COVID started. And there was this delightful little about four foot ten security guard at the door, so cute. Sprayed my hands with antibacterial spray. But next to the security guard was a sign that said, masks must be worn, reminding us of the masks we must wear. And it was really bright outside, and so I still had my dark glasses on. While I was standing in line for the teller, I kind of flashed back to some movies and TV shows that I'd seen about bank robbers who were wearing masks and dark glasses to hide their identity. And it occurred to me, I would have never, ever expected that I would be welcomed into a bank with a mask and wearing dark glasses. Because normally banks don't really like that very much. It would be cause for the bank employees to be alarmed. It could get me arrested doing that thing six months or a year ago. But the context for me last week was a culture of trying to prevent the spread of a pandemic virus. Context matters. Context in life circumstances. But context also matters for Christians in understanding and applying Bible verses. As a reminder, if anything I say raises questions and you would like to talk about it more, please feel free to contact me. I love getting on the phone and talking about God's stuff. And I'm happy to connect with you about anything related to today's teaching or anything else. If you don't get anything else from today, here's what I'd like you to try to remember. The context of a Bible promise will help us more effectively understand and apply that promise. The context of a Bible promise will help us more effectively understand and apply that promise. Now, how many of you, and you're actually going to have to like raise, wave your hand or something like this, but how many of you have favorite Bible verses? Anybody besides me? There's three people. (laughs) Okay, a couple more of you joined in too. Um, It's good to have favorite Bible verses. I need to have go-to verses that help me in certain situations and dealing with certain things. 
But as I continue in my life as a Christian, I find that sometimes those favorite Bible promises don't always work, or at least don't work the way I expected them to. And maybe you have too. Remember, the context of a Bible promise will help us more effectively understand and apply that promise. So today, I'm going to talk about one of my most favorite Bible verses, and one that I quote a lot. And then we're going to talk about the context of it, and how I've gained more understanding of that verse because of the context. So one of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29.11. And you can turn to Jeremiah 29 if you want, because that's, that's the place we're going to be all of today. Jeremiah 29.11, you're probably familiar with it, even if you didn't know where it was located, says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This verse was very important to me, helping me to understand that God is good all the time, God is good. His his plan, God's plan for me is never to bring me harm, but always to prosper me, give me hope and a future. Now, sometime after I memorized this verse, I was wondering to God, okay, I was complaining to God because I do that sometimes. Maybe you all are a little more together than I am, but sometimes I kind of complain to God about things. I was complaining about the fact that this verse wasn't working for me. I couldn't see how God's plans to prosper me and give me hope in the future were working. It felt like harm. So I go, God, what's the deal with this verse? You said it's always your plan, and it doesn't feel like I'm experiencing your plan very well. And God reminded me of a teaching I had heard about understanding the context of a Bible verse or a Bible story. So I began to dialogue with God about Jeremiah 29, 11. And what God showed me about that verse in context has changed and added value to me whenever I try to apply that verse. It's not that I don't still have questions or issues. I do. But I also remember the context of those verses so I have a more complete perspective and can more effectively apply that verse, one of my favorites, to what's going on in my life. God's plans for me are good. God's plans for you are good. So what do we do with this thing? when it doesn't look like the good plans are working out very, very well. When I read and quote Jeremiah 29, 11 now, I do so knowing this verse is not to be read by itself in isolation. My understanding comes through Holy Spirit revelation at the moment for me, from understanding what the entire Bible says about what's related in that verse, 
and how God wants to relate that verse to me right at that time in my life. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Okay, God, this doesn't seem to be working for me. I believe you are good and your plans are always good. What else do I need to know about this verse? So in context, go back to Jeremiah 29, verse 4, and let's walk through a little bit of the context. Verse 4 says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is where the the passage that contains verse 11 starts. The God of Israel says to all those he carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. What I discovered is that God was speaking to people who, in verse 11, who were in exile. They had been forcibly taken to a place they did not want to be. So when I quote verse 11 to someone else or to myself, I remember that God has good plans for me even when I'm not in a good place. Even when I'm in a difficult place because of someone else's bad choice. Verse 11 still applies. Let's continue. Verses 5 and 6. God says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. The context for verse 11 is that God says for them, not only are you moved to a place you didn't really want to be, he says, stay there for a while. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not my favorite kind of a, of, of a download from God to get into a place that's uncomfortable. And I'm saying, God, your plans for me are good and to prosper me. And he says, stay where you're at for a while. Maybe you're better at this than I am. And if so, uh, please call me and tell me how you do it. But that's not a thing I'm really excited about doing. When I quote verse 11, I understand that God's plan to bless and prosper and give me hope in a future may include staying in, a, uh, in an uncomfortable place, even for an extended period of time. Because his plan for me is not linked to my comfort at the moment. It isn't linked to the position I'm in. It's not linked to who put me there or who's preventing me from getting out of it. Aren't you so glad I'm giving you this sermon today? God's good plan for me is not stopped because of my own discomfort about my own circumstances. Verse 7. Also, God continues, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So when I quote verse 11, 
I need to remember to pray for the peace and prosperity of whatever place I find myself. Now, this is hard to do. When a place or a person becomes uncomfortable or even painful, it's difficult, for me at least, to pray peace and prosperity for that circumstance, that place at work, the person that is difficult in my life. It's it's just a challenge. I would rather say, God, please move them into exile and let me have peace. Let me just be blessed. But what God says to do is to pray for the city, that place, that person where I feel exiled. And I don't feel like I'm experiencing the blessing of verse 11. Because when I pray for that difficult person, when I pray during that difficult time in my life, when I pray blessing and peace, into that circumstance, even if it's difficult, I am opening the door for my own prosperity and my own peace. If you're dealing with a place in your life that doesn't have peace, I want to suggest to you that God is giving us a model here to say, when you feel like you've been exiled and it's not a good place, pray for that place. Pray for that person. Peace and prosperity, because when they're blessed, you're blessed. If they prosper, you prosper. If they get peace, or at least the opportunity for peace, you're going to get peace. You know, I got a minute. I want to stop here. There's some people in this call right now that are dealing with what I just talked about, that you struggle, are struggling right now, finding peace and prosperity in some area, or maybe it's your entire life, but in some area in your life. And God wants to encourage you, if you will take the time to pray peace and prosperity into that area or that circumstance or that person, God says that will open a door for you to experience peace and prosperity, even if the situation doesn't change. And God, I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would first of all uh, help whomever this is directed to for their freedom and liberation to say, yes, Jesus, I want to do that. To ask for forgiveness for cursing and not blessing, for causing uh, uh, trials and, and turmoil instead of peace. God, I ask that there would be no condemnation that would come on, on people who are doing this right now but a realization that you're just showing a better way, that it's your desire that each person would be able to experience your peace and your prosperity, even in the middle of a place that feels like exile. Because your word says, if, the, if, the, if we pray that blessing of peace and prosperity, we are going to get that. And you're faithful to that as well. 
This might change your life. The next two verses are talking about people not listening that to God. I'm sorry. The next two verses are about not listening to people God has not sent. The narrative continues in verse 10. Jeremiah 29.10 says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. When I quote verse 11, I remember that my external situation may not change for a while. But God will fulfill his promise to me, maybe soon, maybe not so soon. Maybe while I'm still in that place of exile, maybe not the way I wanted it, but God is going to do it. It may not look exactly like I've been praying or wanting it to happen, but God's going to do it because he will fulfill his promise to me. But see, the context helps to say, wow, maybe it's not going to change immediately. Maybe the other person or the circumstance isn't going to change. But I will change because I'm changing from complaining to praying peace and prosperity into the situation. And God says, I will experience that as I pray that. Please understand, I'm sharing all this not as somebody who's mastered this. I'm good at it sometimes. Sometimes I'm not very good at all. And it takes me a while to go, oh, what am I doing? I've been complaining, speaking negative things. I need to pray peace. I need to pray prosperity. So having given all of that context, then we get to the actual verse. That's my favorite verse. Because of all that, God says, because of that, or for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But the, ver- the, the passage doesn't end there. And that's kind of a problem with favorite verses is we tend not to read before and after to get a full understanding of it. And this really matters in verse 11. I love the verse. Like I said, I probably quote that verse more than any other single verse. But 12 and 13 continues. God says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. These two verses, when I read them in the in context of verse 11, had a significant impact on how I understand and apply this verse. Once I understood that God's plans for me are good, I found that I needed to enter into a dialogue with God about those plans. It wasn't just like, oh, God's just going to make it happen without me. See, God could do all that but he wants relationship with us. The relationship with us is more important than his plans. But if we get relationship, his plans are going to happen anyway. But he wants the relationship. He says, once you know my plans are good to give you a future and a hope, you're going to call on me and come and pray to me. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
when you struggle with your walk with God and it doesn't seem to be going well and exile seems to be difficult, another thing that's helpful to check is how often and to what degree and with what kind of heart am I seeking God? Again, I don't know about you, but more often than I wish, I find that my seeking of God has been kind of a get me out of this thing or make that situation go away. But God says, these things will happen when I seek him with all my heart. When my goal is to find him rather than escape the circumstances. But when I find him, He's going to come and do these other things because he's got a good plan for, for me. So this these two verses, 12 and 13, really changed how I understood and applied my favorite verse, verse 11. Once I understand, stood that God's plans for me are always good, I have discovered, for me at least, and I, but I think you will too, I found I needed to enter into a dialogue with God about the plans. God, what are your plans for this situation that feels like exile and I'm not happy? What are your plans in this? What are you doing, God? Why am I not experiencing your good plan? What's happening in this situation that I'm doing that might be preventing your good plan unfolding? Or why can't I recognize what you're doing? What do you want me to do in this situation that we're going to address together? Because I need to come and call to you and we do it together, not just you make it all go away. I believe verse 13 is critical. God says, you, you will find me. Let me say that again. God tells me I will find him when I am committed to the relationship process. I think I might have maybe even made that the one I want you to remember. God tells me I will find him when I am committed to the relationship process. Connecting with God changes my perspective. Connecting with God changes my heart. Connecting with God changes my attitude. God tells me I will find him when I am committed to the relationship process. I may not get a clear understanding of all of God's plans in difficult circumstances, but I won't get anything if I don't spend time talking with God. I must wrestle with my own understanding, stay in the conversation until I find God and find out what his plans are to give me hope and a future. I need to see what it looks like. And that doesn't happen with a little blessed be Jesus prayer. Those things are okay sometimes. But when I'm in exile and I'm going, come on, God, where's your plans to bless me? Not to harm me. It's going to take some contending to get there because often it's my heart that needs to be changed first. I need to get to the place where I am speaking peace and prosperity into the situation rather than a get me the heck out of here. Hello? Thank you.
Jeremiah 29, 14 kind of concludes the context for verse 11. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity or restore your fortunes. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I love the first part of that verse. God says, I will be found by you. When I contend to find God, when I contend for the relationship, God says, you're going to find me. God will respond when we say, God, I want to connect with you to find out what's going on. I've got to hear from you. I've got to relate with you. I've got to find out what your heart is, what your plan is, and how you're doing this. I've got to get my heart to the place where I can pray peace and prosperity into this difficult situation. You doing okay so far? Here's one other thing I want, I, I want to add as I went through this verse. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. One of my discoveries as I prayed this prayer and talked and wrestled with God about this verse is that God doesn't always get what he wants. God doesn't always get what he wants. God's will is not always expressed the way he wants his will to be expressed. Now, that statement I know requires probably a whole other teaching on it or more. Today, I just want to share what God showed me about his will as it relates to Jeremiah 29.11. After my discoveries about the context of Jeremiah 29.11, I asked God if I was not experiencing verse 11 because I wasn't seeking him with all my heart. And God says, oh yeah, you were seeking me. God told me that sometimes he doesn't get what he desires for me. Now that's unsettling. Does that trouble anybody else a little bit? It does me. But he said, sometimes he doesn't get what he desires for me. I go, but how can that be? God reminded me of Jesus' model prayer for his disciples. And you might want to turn there at some point, Matthew 6, 9, and 10, and and just read over this. But Jesus said this to, to, to his followers. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, why would Jesus teach us to pray for God's kingdom to be done on earth as it is in heaven, unless there are times that God's will is not done on earth as it is in heaven? And I found some of the time when I was in exile and dealing with the, you know, the the stuff that was difficult, and I wasn't experiencing Jeremiah 29, 11. I didn't experience prosperity. I was having a hard time getting hope and a vision for a hope in a future. It wasn't because I wasn't trying to get to God. It's because God's will wasn't being expressed. 
So now when I relate with God and I feel like I'm in exile and I've tried to take care of my heart and I have prayed uh, peace and prosperity into the situation, I've actually got my heart aligned with what God wants me to do. And yes, that does take time for me sometimes. But when I've gotten there and I'm still not seeing and experiencing what I'm looking for, one of the questions I ask God now is, what is your will for this circumstance? I know what my will is. Get me out. Make it feel good. God, what's your will? What are you doing here that's not being expressed? I want to pray that prayer, God. Let your will be done in this circumstance the way it's being done in heaven. And I don't know what to pray here. What's your will for this circumstance? So I ask, God, is my experience that I'm having right now part of the Jeremiah 29:11 promise? And sometimes says, no, the, what's going on now is not my will. So then part of my prayer dialogue is to ask, what needs to be, what needs to change? What needs to change in me? What needs to change in the circumstances so that I can recover the, the Jeremiah 29, 11 promise? God, let your will be done in, in, in this circumstance. God, part of your will is to change my heart towards that person. I've been offended and I've hardened my heart. Heal my heart of the offense. Set me free from making an unrighteous judgment against the circumstances. Forgive me for the things I said about that person or that circumstance or that business. Change my heart, God. What kind of things do you want me to do differently in that situation? How do you want me to talk that would be different than the way I've talked before? God, what things can I do to bring your will into a reality in this situation? Your will's not being expressed, and I want to see your will expressed on earth in this situation the way it is in heaven. God, is this your will? And if it's not, what is your will? And how do we get there? As a reminder, when you have this kind of conversation with God, this is, this is kind of intense. It's kind of focused and it's kind of hard. I want to encourage you. It's wise to include your spiritual advisors in the process to get a hold of them and say, man, I got this thing going on and I don't think it's God's will, but I'm not sure about my heart either. Here's what I've been getting. Here's what I think God is saying to me. Can you give me some feedback and input? Because look, these are difficult kinds of conversations to have with God and with the circumstance. And having wise input and counsel is going to help us speed the process up and is going to help us to come out of this more quickly into the place where we can pray peace and prosperity 
and bless peace and prosperity into that situation so we can get out of exile. We want to get out of exile, right? The way out of exile is peace and prosperity and hearing, finding, discovering, and aligning with God's will. Jeremiah 29.11 says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And God wants to do that whether his will is being expressed in the circumstance or not. But we're going to discover it as we dialogue with him, as we press into him, as we seek him until we find him. That's when this stuff gets released. This verse is such an amazing declaration about God, about his love for us, about his passion for us. And taking the time to more fully understand how to apply it in our life will only increase our understanding and the experience of how much God loves us. And what I did today with you of how I walked through one of my favorite promises, Jeremiah 29, 11, you can do with any verse, any promise that God has given you. Find out what God's saying about it. Find out about the context. Find out what God's will is in this circumstance. And then do what he says with all your heart and keep doing it because God loves us. And he says, we will find him if we seek him with all our hearts. I hope today helps you in understanding and applying your own favorite Bible verses. Remember, the context of the Bible promise will help us to more effectively understand and apply that promise. Father, I ask that you in your kindness, in the power of your Holy Spirit, would come to each man and woman and, and young person who's sitting in our community today. <clears throat> and that you would help us, God, Please help us that you would help us to persevere in seeking you until we find you, that we would find out what your will is, that we would remember your promise. Even when we're having a hard time doing that, we would become people who speak and pray peace and prosperity into the situations. Even when it's a situation of exile that we didn't ask for, and we can't seem to get out of because you're always there with us. Your lavish love for us never leaves us. And God, give us a vision for how we can be the people who bring you into that situation of exile by the words we say, by the things we do, and by the confidence that we've discovered your will for the situation. God, you are awesome, and I'm so glad, so excited that you know your plans for me, and they're good. Your plans are never to harm me. Your plans are always to give me hope and a future, and you say that to every single person here. Bless you guys. Thank you so much for hanging with me, and... Um, we're going to get to continue to have church because we're going to have communion. Salpi, it's off to you.